episode of Motley Fool Answers is brought to you by 23andMe. Now through December 26, hey, that's my birthday, get up to $50 off each 23andMe DNA kit. Give the ultimate personalized gift by going to 23andMe.com fool. Also, thanks to Slack for supporting Motley Fool Answers. Slack is a messaging app which brings together all your team's communications in one place, making work simpler and more productive. Go to slack.com to learn more. Molly Full Answers. I'm Allison Southwick, and I'm joined as always by Robert Brokamp, personal finance expert here at The Motley Fool. Happy holidays, Allison, and I guess almost happy birthday. Hey, thanks. Gather around the radio, kids. It's time for Uncle Bro's Holiday Storytime Special with the musical stylings of Rick Engdahl and his Jingle All the Way band. <laughs> I'm not actually sure if that's what you're calling your band. My band? Yeah, you were gonna bring you were gonna be our special musical guest and you were gonna play a song. What? <laughs> you weren't aware of this? I don't remember that part of the show. <laughs> All that and more on this week's episode of Molly Fool Answers. Bro, let's give everyone to put on their smoking jacket, light their pipe, and pour themselves a cognac. And if they're the kids, get on your footy pajamas. It's time for Uncle Bro's holiday storytime special. <laughs> <laughs> so, for our listeners out there wondering just what's going on, uh, I would say we hit a bit of uh, writer's block when it came with what to do for this week's episode. A little bit, in a hilarious sort of way. In a hilarious sort a of way. We laughed a lot. We did. We have fun. <laughs> uh, so, this episode is going to be a little bit of a just one of those Christmas specials that you get on TV. And, you know, there's Nat King Cole with his pipe singing a song, and then here come the Andrews sisters. And But but we're going to start off with some stories. Literally what we are going to do is we're going to start off with some stories. We're going to share the holiday traditions that you guys sent in, because you, you responded, bro put it out there in the world, and you guys gave back. And uh, we're going to finish off with our annual uh, gift, gift giving. Sound good? Let's kick it off with some, like, fancy Christmas music. Rick, remember, you were going to prepare that. So the first story for Uncle Bro's Holiday Storytime Special comes from Uncle Bro himself. Uncle Bro, yes, it's the story of Rudolph. But the original story, a lot of people don't know. When they, think of, when they think of Rudolph, they think of either the song or the TV special. But before all of that, it was actually a story, a poem, to be exact. So that's what this story is about. So the first reference that had Santa Claus associated with reindeer was an 1821 poem called Old Santa Claus with Much Delight. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a single reindeer. It was... Clement Moore's Twas the Night Before Christmas that had came up with the whole eight reindeer and then gave them the names. And I was trying to find out like where the names came from, and I couldn't figure that out, except that Donner and Blitzen, German for thunder and lightning, which I oh, think is pretty cool to think cool. that Santa Claus is being led around by thunder and lightning. Uh, so uh, as you probably know, that poem was written in Anapestic Tetrameter. My favorite Tetrameter. Your favorite. You probably recognize it from... That poem as well as a lot of Dr. Seuss. Oh. So I thought this was interesting. So you have, "'Twas the night before Christmas, went all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. 
Every Who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. So it was a very common sort of limerick form for Christmas stuff, and that's important because that's also how the ultimate, the very first Rudolph story was written. It was actually written as a poem along the same lines as was the night before Christmas. So we fast forward to 1939 to a guy named Robert May who worked for Montgomery Ward, basically writing copy for their catalogs. Back then, for, so first of all, for the kids out there, Montgomery Ward was a department store that uh, at one point was the third biggest department store in the country, but went out of business in 2001. Oh, Every, wow. I didn't even know they were here as lo- late as that. And they still have a website, but that's actually a separate company that just bought the rights to use the name. But yeah, so hmm. they went out of business. But back in their heyday, they would give out a Christmas coloring book every year. 1939, it's January, Robert May's walking into work. He's actually not feeling very good about his life. Um, In an article he wrote in 1975 about the writing of it, he actually basically said to himself at this point, "I I wanted to write the great American novel. Instead, I'm writing descriptions of shirts. I feel kind of like a loser. He goes into work. His boss says, we give away this book every year. We usually pay an author. This year, let's write it in-house. Would you be willing to do it? He says, yes. And the only thing he was told was it has to, inv- they suggested that an animal be the main star. So he goes, figures out what to do. He talks to his daughter. His daughter loved the deer at the Chicago Zoo. So that's where the reindeer comes from. He was trying to think, like, what should I do? He liked the idea of making the reindeer some sort of an underdog because according to interviews with him and his one of his daughters, he was kind of a nerdy kid growing up. In fact, his daughter called him a runt. Aww. He skipped a couple of grades, so he was younger than everyone else. So they think a little bit that's where the whole reindeer misfit thing comes from, Rudolph misfit thing comes mm-hmm. from. He was looking at the fog coming in over Lake Michigan, seeing it was pretty dark. He's thinking, okay, what would a reindeer want to do? Reindeer, of course, the ultimate would be to lead the sleigh. Noticed that it was foggy out. He thought, you know what? How about a reindeer that could produce some sort of light? He thought of eyes that glowed, Ooh, but it would no, have been like headlights. Be creepy. And he came to the nose. Also, uh, which also, to be fair, is also creepy. I mean, well, that, let's not think about it too much. That, well, that, that's interesting. When, when he brought that up to one of his bosses, one of the criticisms was like, what, do, what do people associate a red nose with? Alcoholism. Yes, exactly. So he had to get over that. Uh, originally, it could have been Reginald. Or Rolo, but they eventually decided on Rudolph, um, and that's how the story went. So, what's the so the very first line of the poem is? Which was the day before Christmas, and all through the hills, the reindeer were playing, enjoying the spills. Ah. The story is very different from the TV show. Rudolph lives in a reindeer village. Santa's flying. There's it's dark out. People didn't leave lights on for poor Santa, so he's stumbling around trying to deliver presents. He goes into Rudolph's room, trips over some presents, sees the nose, gets a brilliant idea. Hey, dear, that I just met in this bed, would you like to lead my sleigh? Rudolph says it's a great idea. He leaves a note for his parents, like a good reindeer should, and then leads the and then the rest is history. The rest is made up history. The rest is made up history, as they say. So. Uh, it was a huge success. Montgomery Ward gave about two mi- more than two million books out from it. Um, ten years later, 
So uh, Robert May had two sisters. One is the grandmother of Stephen Levitt, the co-author of Freakonomics. Oh. Fun fact. But the other one was married to Johnny Marks, who was a songwriter. It was 10 years after the original story that Robert May convinced his brother-in-law to write the song. He shopped it around. Bing Crosby didn't want it. Dinah Shore didn't want it. Took a Gene Autry. Gene Autry didn't like it, but his wife convinced him to do it. Becomes a number one hit. Um, it has the distinction of, of being the only song to be number one and then to drop totally off the charts once it's no longer number one. But it's still among the top 20 best-selling singles of all time. Want to take a guess what the number one song is? Uh, a, a Beatles song. White Christmas. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wait, did you ask me what the number one Christmas song was? Or what no, the number one song all-time was? single. Really? Yes. Wow. White Christmas. Okay. Um, and so the rest is history from there. Um, about nine years after he wrote the story, someone came to Robert May and said, can we turn this into, I think it was a spoken word type of album. He didn't have the rights, but Montgomery Ward gave him the rights out oh, of kindness. Oh, that was nice. Yes, so it set him up financially for the rest of his life. He continued to live outside of Chicago, and every Christmas he would put out a reindeer in front of his yard, and people would come take pictures of it and things like that. And he, one of the things his daughter said, he always said that 49 weeks out of the year, I'm just an average guy. Three weeks out of the year, I'm a celebrity. He died in 1975 and donated all his memorabilia to Dartmouth, so they have a lot of it on display there. Why do you think um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer took off? Oh, pun not, uh-huh. pun, pun not intended. But why do you think it resonated so much back then? Well, I think, I think the whole story of the underdog is a big part of it. Um, I will say the Santa in the original story was a heck of a lot nicer than the Santa in the TV show. If you've seen that recently, it's kind of shocking how mean... Santa is. So this is the point in the show where I say, I haven't seen the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer TV show, and then Rick gives me that disgusted look, shaking his head. We have to strap you down and pry your eyes open and put uh, drops of water in, just like Clockwork, clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange, yeah. yeah. What, nothing says Happy Holidays like Clockwork <laughs> Orange and conditioning <laughs> like that. Uh, and then, we, would you like to share your disgust with me over not having seen the Rudolph show, or do you think that was enough? I accept you for who you are. Thank you. But I think you should see it. I think yeah. Hannah would love it. Uh, yeah. The claymation show that came out in 1964. Um, was really based on the song because the story was originally just given out at Montgomery Ward. It wasn't a book that you could go buy. So the screenwriter for the TV show, Romeo Mueller, actually couldn't find an original, which is why, like in the original story, there's none of the characters like Yukon Cornelius or Hermie the Elf or anything like that. All that is very different from the original story. Hey, thanks for sharing your story. Sure. Why am I such a misfit? I am not just a nip. Rick, it's your turn. You have a story a story to share with us today? I don't have nearly as uh, long a story or as involved or as interesting uh, as Bro's story. But when you said that you were going to be talking about Rudolph and how it was originally written for Montgomery Ward, I was thinking of all the crass and, you know, uh, commercial versions of Christmas out there. And it led me to think about the Elf on a Shelf that it curses many families. Yeah. So explain what an elf on the shelf is for the because I didn't know about it until like a year ago. Well, it's it's this. The idea is there's this elf that sits on your shelf and and you tell the kids that it magically flies back to Santa every night, and so every day it's in a new location, and um, 
and the kid is excited because oh look the elf is sitting somewhere else now and and um, and it's just you know the the conduit for which your children are telling Santa what they want for Christmas. Um, I've never actually done the Elf on the Shelf in my family, which I'm happy about, especially talking to Mac Greer because he has all kinds of horror stories now as his kids are getting older and all his kids and his kids' friends are talking to each other and saying, what is your Elf's name? And what is, and you know, I told my Elf this, tell him to tell your Elf. that. And so they're, they're getting caught in this web of like the elves and everything. And, and it's just a big lie that they're all caught in. It's, it's really difficult to navigate. I wish he was here to tell that story because it's interesting when he tells it. <laughs> Anyway, um, so I thought I'd just quick look up the origins. And as it turns out, it's not a crass and commercial story at all. It's actually a really nice story uh, about the, it was a mother and two daughters and, and they were uh, down on their luck and, and didn't have full-time jobs. And, all this. and they're like, hey, remember that thing we used to do as a family? We should write a little story about it. It was just a family tradition where they had this little elf. These things were really popular in the 50s and 60s, these kind of long uh, gangly elves that they, they're called the knee grabbing elves or whatever. We, we had them on our Christmas tree. We had them, up. yeah, and my family had them growing up too. And they just had this little tradition where they, you know, their parents told them this story and, and they're like, hey, we should write a poem out of Remember that thing we used to do as a family? We should write a little story about it. And wrote a, you know, wrote a poem about it, self published a book because they had no money and they couldn't sell the, the story anywhere. Very rags to riches, bootstrappy story. And it has become a big phenomenon. And now they're very rich and successful. <laughs> Auntie Allison's going to tell you a story, kids, so sit down. Here we go. Those who know me or listen to the podcast know how much I love Japan. I love it. And so today I'm going to share a classic Christmas tradition from the land of Shinto and Buddhism. And it's the story of Kurisumasu Niwa, Kentucky. Exactly. Here we go. It's the winter of 1970, and Takashi Okawara, the manager of the first Kentucky Fried Chicken, wakes from his slumber and jots an idea down on a piece of paper that came to him in a dream. A party barrel to be sold at Christmas. Earlier that day, he'd overheard foreigners in his store talking about how much they missed having turkey for Christmas. Surely fried chicken is a close substitute, he thought, and he began marketing a Christmas party barrel of chicken. The campaign went nationwide in 1974 under the name Kurisumasu Niwa Kentucky or Kentucky for Christmas, and it was a hit. Prior to the party barrel of chicken, uh, Japan didn't have any Christmas traditions, and so this marketing campaign essentially told people what to do. It also didn't hurt that Colonel Sanders kind of looks an awful lot like Santa. Santa, so no, like, that's true. He's yeah. got the beard and whatever. Hmm. Put a hat and a red coat on him, and you're good to go. So, the party barrel has come a long way since 1974. Special family-sized meals now include cake and Kentucky Fried Chicken-branded sparkling wine. (laughs) It costs less than $50. It's so popular, you have to order it weeks in advance, and people wait in line for hours to get it. An estimated 3.6 million Japanese families treat themselves to fried chicken from Kentucky Fried Chicken every Christmas, according to the BBC. And it accounts for, get this, a third of the chain's yearly sales in Japan. Wow. Yeah. 
So because the Japanese aren't really on board with the whole religious aspect of Christmas, like baby Jesus isn't really a thing over there, only like 1% of Japanese population is Christian, um, Christmas in Japan is more, from, from what I can tell, it's best described, it's more like a Valentine's Day, where you take romantic walks with your loved ones and families get together, and of course, eat fried chicken together. So what I love about this is the idea that uh, the Japanese wanted to celebrate some aspect of Christmas, and they really made their own tradition. And people lovingly talk about the tradition of eating their party barrel of Christmas fried chicken every <laughs> Christmas. They kept like some of the best parts of Christmas and then made it their own. So, um, yeah, so way to go, Japan. All right, and what happened to that humble KFC manager who had a dream, a dream about a party barrel? Okawara later became the president and CEO of Kentucky Fried Chicken in Japan from 1984 to 2002. Wow. Yeah. So Finger looking good. It's a happy story. <laughs> it sounds really good. I kind of want some. <laughs> it's, it's Do you made, really? Did I talk you into wanting fried totally chicken? Totally made me hungry. Yeah, I'm thinking of getting a bucket of chicken for our Christmas dinner now. <laughs> so, you know what? That's kind of cool. So you are adopting Japan's tradition that they adopted and um, full circle. it goes full circle. Aww. Soon I'm going to be CEO of Kentucky Fried Chicken America. <laughs> Good, <laughs> Good luck, luck. With that. Good luck. I hope we get a family discount. All right. So that's it for our stories. Uh, and now for the next part of our bro super <laughs> spectacular Christmas special. Uh, stick around. We'll be right back with more. From this broke, broke Uncle Bro's Christmas spectacular special, I promise we've not been drinking yet. Okay, now a word from our sponsor. This episode of Motley Fool Answers is brought to you by 23andMe. This holiday, give your friends and family the ultimate personalized gift, a DNA kit from 23andMe. They can learn about their genetic ancestry, their inherited traits, and even information about their health. What other gift can do that? So, this holiday, give a gift that is as unique as the ones you love with 23andMe. Now through December 26th. Again, my birthday. Get up to $50 off each kit when you go to 23andMe.com slash fool. So, last week, for those of you who were listening in, Bro pleaded with you to send in your holiday traditions because he loves holiday traditions. Isn't that right? It's true. And what happened, bro? Oh, we got some. We did. We did. So you're gonna. Uh, so you went through the traditions, and now you're gonna talk about some of the some of the emails we received from you guys. Yes, exactly. So here we go. Ready? So from Steve. Steve tells us on the feast of Saint Nicholas, a good Catholic will know that it is December sixth. Our kids put out their list for Santa in their stocking. Overnight, Santa picks up the list, and they get a small gift from Santa and a little candy. This way, Santa gets the list and knows what the kids would like for Christmas. So we do this at our house too, the whole put out your shoes for St. Nicholas Day. But I didn't know about the list thing. And my wife is going to love that because my kids are teenagers. Getting lists for them is impossible. Knowing that if they put the list in there, they will get some sort of treat the next morning. I think it'll work. That's a good incentive. I like that. Yeah. Steve also added that on Christmas Eve, we all get a new set of PJs, which is also a tradition sent in from Kevin. He said that the night before Christmas, everyone gets to open one gift, a new pair of pajamas to wear to bed. The benefit is twofold. The kids get the satisfaction of opening a present early. And my wife and I have the guarantee that the family will look presentable for a plethora of photos from Christmas morning that are about to be taken and shared with our families. 
This is also something we do in our house, except it changes from year to year. So sometimes it's PJs, sometimes it's robes, sometimes it's onesies, as it was a couple of years ago, slippers. But it's a fun little tradition. I should say that after everyone gets their whatever, their new stuff, and put them on, then we read Twas the Night Before Christmas. Aww. Yeah. From Roseanne, something a little bit more along the lines of what The Motley Fool talks about. I am the grandmother of six children. I decided to open up a custodial account for each child, adding a fixed amount of money on birthdays and for Christmas. Each year, pick a different stock or fund in which to invest their gift in hopes that by the time they receive these counts at age 21, they might appreciate the value of investing regularly over time. I also send a book, I think, that might be of interest to each child so that they have the excitement of receiving a package that they Mm -hmm. actually can open, which I totally understand because I think some kids, many kids at various ages do not appreciate the value of getting stock. My hope is that this will help them develop a love of reading. Call me manipulative, but as a long-distance grandmother who has no idea what gift each child might want, this has helped me feel I'm giving them something they may remember for more than a few days, and that, with any luck, might help them learn the value of saving and investing. Mm. That's a nice one. From Calvin, he says, we go hiking every New Year's Day and uh, at a specific state park. Two years ago, there were all these people there. It turns out it'd become a thing. I didn't know it'd become oh. a thing. Yep. But here's to hoping it was a fad and that I don't have to keep my dog on a leash this year due to hipsters. <laughs> <laughs> You know, after seeing that email, yeah, like that same day, same afternoon, I got an email from Maryland State Parks oh, with really? a whole list of of New Year's Day hikes that they're organizing I at all the state parks. So it apparently is a thing. Yeah, sorry. And yeah. I must be a hipster because it was in my inbox. Sorry, Calvin. Except I'm not going on a hike on New Year's. It's I crazy. It's cold. Yeah. It's so cold. <laughs> so from Gregory, this is quite something. I watch Christmas movies all day the day after Thanksgiving, from 6.30 a.m. to 9 p.m. It started when I was a kid. My parents had a strict no Christmas until after Thanksgiving rule, which meant I binged out on Christmas tapes the day after. It started with one tape that had six hours of Rudolph, Frosty, Peanuts, Disney, Sesame Street. Maybe he'll let you borrow it, Allison, so you can watch Rudolph. Yeah. Uh, And then I added shows and movies up to about the age 12, where it ended up taking the entire day. And I've basically done it every year since then. Although my girlfriend at the time who is now my wife, thought it was weird that a 20-year-old would spend a whole day watching kids' shows. I would reply to her the famous line from Fiddler on the Roof, tradition. Tradition! And now, with a young child of my own, I'm glad to have someone there to legitimize my annual event. Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah. Uh, okay, so from Joseph, we have a holiday tradition where we set up the tree soon after Thanksgiving, but wait until Christmas Eve to place the star or angel on the top. The youngest person present on Christmas Eve gets lifted up to place it. That's sweet. As a boy, my family used to, quote, unquote, pass the kids of peace around the table. Wait, what? Pass the kids of peace around the table. Pass the kids of... Kids of peace. Keep going. In both directions at Christmas Eve (laughs) dinner. Anyone have any guesses what pass the kids of peace means? Oh, I love it. I just envisioned someone like passing a toddler around and just be like, ah, stop kicking the gravy over. And then they're like, that's my turn to pass the kid of peace. And then grandma's the only one who's excited about that one. It's especially hard when the kids get older. That's true. Right? (laughs) That's the teenager of discontent. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I emailed Joseph. I said, so what exactly does the kids of peace entail? Did you get an answer? Yep. He said, sorry, that was a typo. 
past the kiss of peace. Oh! Kisses passed to the right all the way around and then to the left. It was a bigger hit with the younger couples, everyone watching, etc. Past the kid may have been more fun for the kids probably. Kissing was always too yucky. They usually squeezed in next to mommy. (laughs) Could you imagine knowing you had to kiss the person next to you at the holidays? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Yep. Okay, so and here is our final one from Stephen, and it's a doozy. Every year after midnight mass, the whole extended family heads to the beach to go skinny dipping. What? In the ocean. Oh, I thought going for a hike on New Year's Day <laughs> was bad. It's very exciting, and it's a good way to break the ice for newcomers to the family. Could you? <laughs> <laughs> well, we've never literally had to break the ice, although we often have to walk over snow. Oh. You really develop a shared bond once you've been ocean swimming in the nude at night in December. Like in, completely nude. Completely nude. In New England, it usually works out except for 1987 when we got arrested. <laughs> <laughs> Probably wasn't a good idea to rent a bus. Attracted attention, but was worth a try to handle the designated driver aspect of the annual get-together. Oh, and in 1998 when my sister-in-law went into labor. <laughs> oh. Uh, he added by the way a suggestion for novices although it seems more traditional to go to the same beach every year word gets out and can cause problems have a selection of possible locations and only share the location when Christmas draws near P.S. loofahs are not a part of our family tradition (laughs) so all kinds of good ideas for you folks let us know which ones you try. So which one are and you send pictures. Adopt? Which one are you guys? Is there any in there that you're like, okay, I could do that? I guess. Oh, I guess you said putting the, the, Christ- the, the Christ- list. The yeah. Christmas list, I I like quite a bit. Um, the skinny dip. I have to wait. I can imagine you being up for some skinny dipping. I, I think the family, the family might be less into it, but who knows? We'll never see. Yeah, float it, float it out there, see what happens. Yeah, I do love Christmas movies. Although, unlike Greg, I don't think I could watch them from six. 30 in the morning till 9 at night. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to John, who he wrote us um, about uh, about how to figure out if Amazon reviews are real. And he said the first uh, spot to go to is Fake Spot. They'll rate how reliable the reviews for products are. And then he also said the second site is Camel, Camel, Camel. And this site is a price tracker for Amazon, so you can see what the lowest price for a product has been, and then uh, make a decision. And uh, Cody on Twitter, he also said he also recommended Fake Spot is a great place for checking the legitimacy of Amazon reviews. And he also got my tobacco joke, so I appreciate that, Cody. We have the best listeners. We most certainly do. And now, a word from our sponsor. Thanks to Slack for supporting Motley Fool Answers. Slack is a messaging app that brings all your team's communications together, giving everyone a shared workspace where conversations are organized and accessible. Drag and drop file sharing that works with all the apps you already use, like Jira, Salesforce, Zendesk, and Google Drive. Plus, you can tailor Slack to work with more than 1,000 apps. For example... Christine Hart just set it up so that I get a Slack every time we get I get a Slack message every time we get a new review on iTunes. Really? So as soon as we get a new review, I know it. I haven't gotten that message in a while, but you know. Just saying. Just saying. With mobile apps for iOS and Android that sync seamlessly, you can always pick up where you left off, no matter where you are. Slack, where work happens. Find out why at slack.com. That's slack.com. Christmas presents. Around the world, something minus sweet to see. Yay! It's time for our annual gift exchange. Yay. Who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Okay. 
first. Rick, would you like to go first? If only if I just had a present for everyone on the one great big Christmas tree. So we decided I'm so sad. roughly a month ago. We're like, are we going to do gifts this year? I don't know. Should we do gifts this year? I don't know. Let's see. Yeah, let's do gifts this year. A month ago, we decided this. I've been dealing with some family stuff, Allison. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> man. We've all been dealing. We've, we've all had a really rough month, if I'm being honest. It actually, here. it's been a tough, it's it's been been a tough really, month on the answers team, folks. It's been a really, it was a great year, but this last month has just been a real punch in the gut for all three of us for different reasons. So, whatever. New Year is around the corner. Let's exchange some gifts. Who wants to go first? Uh, well, I guess I'll go. Okay. Here's ah, yours. Ah, with the classic, uh, oh god, it looks so creepy. You put your, it looks like you put your hand on the photocopier and then wiggled it around a little bit. Yeah, and my face, my face is there. That's my face. Oh, that's your. F- so as as the little light goes, yes, that is my face. That's a fist. That's not- oh no, I see it now. I see it now. <laughs> I see it now. Okay. Ugh. I may have to post a picture of this wrapping paper on Twitter. I always photocopy my body parts for wrapping paper, just so you all know. Oh, I know. Do I get to open it right now? Sure, okay, go ahead. Okay. All right, I'll go first. Da-ka, da-ka, da. Oh, Pop Rocks! <laughs> Taste the explo- candy cane flavor. Oh, I love Pop Rocks! Wait, is there a reason why you gave me Pop Rocks that I'm no, not remembering? Fun. Okay. All right. I was like, is there an inside joke about Pop Rocks? And the tradition of giving me a Star Wars t shirt. It's Princess Leia. I love and it. And she looks particularly badass, I think, in she this does. one. I like and it. And it's suitable for you. Thank you. Oh, you're it's so suitable. I love Star Wars. Thank Do I you. go give Rick his? I guess you can if you want. So, Allison got your face on the wrapping paper. I'm not sure what body part this is that I'm looking at here. Those are my fingers. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Inappropriate. So. Uh, and my ears. You got my ears on. This is a really bizarre, actually. It's it's like ears and like a no face between them. So once the, once the copier arm reached one part of my head, I flipped my head over. Yeah. So it looks like... I'm just two ears on a head. Yeah. It's really skill, good. actually. I don't did think... you do that here at The Fool? Like, I did, did anyone that... see you while I you did. were doing yeah. it? I did, yeah. And Buck Hartzell said, how much of the company's money are you wasting on this time? Like, don't worry thing? about it, Buck. That's for the podcast. Our game room is named after you, Buck. You don't get to bug bro about doing copier stuff. All right. Pop oh, okay. ro- I hear Pop Rocks, too. Yeah, here we go. Hold on. Are you actually going to do some Pop Rocks for us? Oh my gosh, that that's is good. that's good. That's that is good, good radio. That's good radio right there. <laughs> and some jingle jangle cookies. Oh, jingle jangles the best from Trader Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's. Have Which, you ever had jingle jangle? No, I haven't. Oh my gosh, oh, it's it so is good. heavenly. It's so good. Yeah. And <laughs> it's not a unicorn like you asked for, Allison, but it is a, a Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer pooping jelly beans. <gasps> Yes. What? Yes. So before earlier during our planning meeting, Rick was like, oh, I didn't get you guys anything. I don't even know what to get you guys. And I was like, well, go to Paper Source. They've got like a unicorn and it poops jelly beans. Like, just get that. Somehow we have a super duper reindeer pooper. That from bro, the Paper Source. From the Paper Source. <laughs> so bro did the dirty work. Uh, okay. 
If you remember last year, I did a, an episode on like how to be an amazing gift giver and like the science of better gift giving, and then I completely disregarded all of the advice um, then in what I bought you guys. So this year, uh, I decided to actually heed my own advice, albeit a year too late. So, what do I know about Rick? Rick loves beer, and so I have for him a oh six-pack of individually wrapped mystery beers. And on each beer is a little numbered note. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six. And so on day one, whenever you choose to start day one, you can read your little note, which is like a little message for me saying you're awesome. And then you can drink the beer. No guarantees that the beer is good because I just went to Total Wine and I was just like, that looks like a okay beer. I don't know. So there you go. That's very nice. That's like that the is best. Very thoughtful. It's like the best advent calendar ever. I know. <laughs> so that one's for you. It's very sweet. Thank you. Bro, yours is a little different. So what do I know about bro? No. I know that bro loves... Yes. <laughs> eggnog. Oh, I do. Oh, look at that. So instead, for you, I've got some fancy eggnog from Whole Foods. And because there weren't like six individual little things of eggnog for me to attach a note to, I just uh, randomly taped the six little notes for you. So you can that pour, is outstanding. pour a little swig and then read a note every day. But wait, there's more. Okay. I also know that Bro loves traditions, holiday traditions. So I researched and made for him a book Oh my goodness about gracious. the Yuletide Lads. Do you know the Yuletide Lads of Iceland? No. Uh, it's a fascinating holiday tradition where essentially they're the 13 sons of these Icelandic trolls who live in the mountains. And starting on December 12, uh, a different troll comes and visits your house and does mischief. And um, and so I made a little book for you. So now you have a field guide to that understanding your trolls. So wonderful. And a bonus Yuletide cat. Do you know the Yule cat? <laughs> no. I'm going to tell you about the Yule cat. Because it's a, it, it makes sense. Well, you'll see why. The Yule Cat is a giant cat that lurks around Christmas Eve, and it eats people who have not received any new clothes before the 24th. <laughs> so the history is that farmers would tell their workers that the Yule Cat was going to eat them if they didn't process the autumn wool by winter. Um, and so that's why today many people give clothes to a loved one on Christmas Eve. That is so, so the scary, cat frightening, won't come and funny. Eat you, I know. So I've got thirteen more of them as you learn all about the Yuletide lads in my self-published book. There you go. Thank you. That is so thoughtful. Well, you know, I tried to do good this year as you, opposed to last year. Where you I just did a great got, job. I don't even remember what I got you guys last year. You got me a great. You got me a great T Rex Christmas oh, shirt. I did like that T Rex <laughs> Christmas shirt. Um, but anyway, so it's been a great. It's been another great year. This marks three years. This episode probably marks three years of doing the show, right? Because we started in December three years ago, and so it's been another. It's been another great year with you guys making this show, and so thank you. Thank you for doing it with me all these years, and somehow we'll keep coming up with more episodes next year. I promise you, <laughs> listeners, they won't all be as weird and we just weird as this one. But it's the holidays. Cut us some slack. Uh, yeah. which, which sponsors this podcast? Hey, thanks to Slack for sponsoring this podcast. All right, so there we go. Happy holidays, you guys. Happy holidays to our listeners. That is the show. It, it is edited merrily by Rick Engdahl. Uh, for Robert Brokamp, I'm Allison Southwick. Stay foolish, everybody. 